All right, welcome to uh, America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Walter, this was another crazy week in American news, I would say. The character of the rhetoric, uh, the political rhetoric around this ongoing controversy with Donald Trump, it just seems to escalate to new levels each week. Uh, is that your impression or is, or is it just me? Like each week I feel more and more like I'm receding into some future dystopia. And, I, and again, again, this week freaked me out a lot. Well, it, it is coming in, you know, ever advancing uh, and escalating waves. There was a moment last week where I thought it would cool down. But because I'm not a big consumer of network and, uh, you know, major cable news, I get my news in, you know, different ways. I, I, I did for a second think, oh, maybe this is going to, uh, you know, settle down, quiet down. But uh, as soon as I tuned in again, I saw that that wasn't the case. You know, I have no precedent for it. I have no experience of anything similar. This kind of legal and media war. They started bringing up nukes again. And that's my tripwire when allegedly this involves nuclear information. I know that they're once again turning the dial to 11. The Rosenbergs are coming up again, right? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, my ward. Really, there was nothing in the documents surrounding the affidavit and, and the search warrant that suggested anything like this level of perfidy and espionage. The only source for this overheated stuff have been these weird leaks, which then get put into the CERN, CERN super collider of social media and, you know, and come out with people screaming about the Rosenbergs and so on. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it, it's an almost instantaneous process now where you have the person familiar with the matter who speaks to the Washington Post or the New York Times about some kind of potential threat. Then there, uh, often there's a little bit more of, a, of an in-depth something or other in like the unofficial intelligence community publications like lawfare they get into they get into a little bit more and then right from there it's just it's it's all all of these public figures who go straight to 11 right like we had this amazing performance by howard stern of all people right who it was somebody you know i I can't say he was a hero of mine but i certainly thought he was funny once upon a time um and he, he came out this week and with this lengthy tirade about how uh, Donald Trump should go live in, uh, should go live in Russia. Um, wasn't it also that, wasn't it also that his supporters might want to uh, go to Russia? Yeah. So he sees, he's saying that, you know, our nation of nincompoops, I feel the people in this country who support all this nonsense and lies and bullshit about the election and all the conspiracies, uh, they have never lived under a dictator. They should go and live under that fucknut Vladimir Putin. I mean, okay, fine, but I, 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 guess, I guess for me, like, even figures like him and Don Imus, who I, who I knew pretty well once upon a time, they were always really careful when they went into the political stuff to try to keep a tone of appropriately distant and light 
so that they could they could always make a joke if they had to. They never wanted to cross that line into uh, into gravity and um, what's the word I'm looking for, right? Like the uh, earnestness that you know from which you really can't come back as a comedian like you you know what i'm saying like if if you're if you're a shock jock and your job is to is to make jokes and kind of stay on the sidelines you just can't give up that tone you know and and they're all doing it you know i i don't know i'm not go- i'm not going to indulge howard stern's desire to metamorphize into edward r murrow at this late date <laughs> um i'm i i simply refuse to uh brook lectures and geopolitical analysis from a person who uh, had contests concerning the virginity of young women made fun of dwarves and had uh, you know a mentally challenged man as a regular guest on his show a guy gibbering and trying to make sense and being made fun of relentlessly by howard and his sidekick so so number one i won't cede ground especially high ground, Howard Stern. Secondly, whenever I see them getting exercised like this, you know, Rob Reiner's another one on Twitter uh, about the threats to our democracy and, and, and especially about the, the moronic quality of, of American life. I mean, Howard Stern has done more to reinforce and invigorate the uh, idiotic strata of our uh, of our population than perhaps any other single individual. He might look in the mirror and say, "Is it possible that we had a Donald Trump, uh, a, you know, a grab him by the pussy president, because I so uh, inured the American people to such language and and uh, attitudes?" And didn't he run for something in in almost exactly the same spirit as Donald Trump at one point? I I, I seem to remember that. I uh, maybe I'm remembering remembering that. Well, all I know is he's made Jesse Ventura seem like you know Adlai Stevenson. Um, he is and, and, in comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and but but it, but you know, I've got to wonder as somebody who's worked in Hollywood and worked in uh, you know around entertainment media rather than just journalism about who sends out the call or the memo to these guys and says, you know, we need you now to take a serious turn and start scourging your audience who used to think, used to be there for the obscenity with, you know, idealism and high-minded crusading political rhetoric. Like, really, let's look. Did Howard Stern go home one night and said, you know, I've been a shock jock. I've been a hypersexual you know, super obscene conduit for the adolescent mind into the American polity. But I'm fed up. This is where I draw the line. This Donald Trump can't do this. And, and, and also, you know, what does he know about Russia anyway? I mean, has he ever shown one shred of, uh, uh, you know, international concern, knowledge, or, you know, interest? And, and suddenly, and all the things he says are just Howard Stern voicing hysteria that can be heard anywhere. He's adding nothing new. He has no interesting angle on any of it. It's just, you know, he, he, he's agreed to use himself or be used as a uh, big time conventional wisdom amplifier. 
which is so strange, right? I mean, I remember when I came home from Russia after being gone for a long time. And when I left, I wasn't a professional writer. When I came back, I kind of was. And I remember, I remember going into a bookstore and seeing that there were two separate shelves, you know, one for people on the left and one for people on the right. Like the, 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 the conservative books had a clearly different font, you know, they, they tended to be more red. Um, and then there were the, the, the books for people who voted Democrat. And I thought, what a strange thing for a writer to voluntarily forego half the audience at the beginning of the enterprise, right? Like, why, why would anybody in the book world want it to be like that? And it's doubly strange for a radio personality to make a conscious decision to say, well, I'm not going to talk to 51% of, of my potential listeners or whatever it is, right? I mean, am I missing something? Or is, is, is this a flawed formula for an, for an entertainment product? You know, I, I was around at sort of the beginning of Howard Stern's career. I shared an editor back in the early 90s with him at Pocket Books, a division of Simon & Schuster, when he wrote his first book that then became a, a, the basis for a movie, a, a, you know, a biopic. Private parts. Yeah, yeah, a biopic. And, you know, Howard, there could have been no one more disreputable, the, the uh, gossip around him which I think should be considered at this point since he's, uh, you know, now decided facts are, uh, you know, not necessarily part of his presentation was bad. He, he was just a scurrilous person and he was playing it up to the max. And his audience seemed to be strangely not unlike Trump's audience to some extent, you know, and especially now. Howard Stern's main for platform is Sirius Radio, and he's on his own channel. I mean, it goes nonstop and cycle. You can turn in and Howard, hear Howard Stern's voice at any time of day. The contracts he signed there are enormous. I mean, they they're, they add up to hundreds of millions of dollars over the year. So, so maybe he's in his public service mode now, having made all the money in the world, having explored the furthest corners of obscenity and, uh, you know, want some sort of redemption. You know, it, it's sort of horrible. You know, in the old movies, all the showgirls and or sex workers want to marry a billionaire and, or a millionaire and, 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 and dress in fine clothes and become society ladies. It seems Howard wants to become the shock jock equivalent of a society lady, he wants to go straight. He's Al Pacino in Godfather 2, you know, trying to get into real business. And, and the, the Corleone family is going to be completely legitimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and this seems to be the bridge they give you back to respectability, to fulminate in a, you know, in an extreme way for the benefit of the establishment. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And fulminate, people do. Obviously, this week was, was a... It was a plot turn that we've seen a hundred times during the, the Trump era. So we had we had all this narrative energy building towards Trump is going to be indicted. The court case is going the way of the FBI. And then suddenly there's an unexpected impasse where this Trump appointed judge from the Southern District in Florida, Aileen Cannon, uh, 
renders a decision that the materials in that were seized in the FBI raid um, have to be reviewed by a special master uh, for both potential attorney-client uh, issues, which maybe could have been expected, but more importantly, for potential executive privilege issues, which sent everybody completely over the edge because it it seemed to suggest that she that she was um essentially ratifying one of Trump's main arguments ahead of time so mm-hmm. there was this great sort of scanner style exploding of heads all across the media landscape we had the once authoritative legal voice uh Lawrence Tribe saying judge Aileen Cannon's bizarre decision endangers national security um which was a theme that was all over the place in, in the press watch that argument real quickly because um it would seem that you know half of the you know FBI agents in Florida and so on were used in this raid i mean do we know how many of them if these are nuclear secrets have have, have seen them what is judge Eileen Cannon any more of a security risk than the you know, than the, the, the small army that ran in and supposedly saw the, the most sensitive material on Earth, threw it on the ground, photographed it and leaked it. I mean, at least the cover sheets. Well, well right. I mean, the, the, the logic of this is is crazy. It's it, it'd be one thing if if we were talking about releasing this information. Right. You know, for, <laughs> but for, we're talking we're talk we're talking about, uh, in fact, um, sort of harboring it in a place by a third party such that it doesn't get exploited yeah by a by a third party ch- chosen by a federal judge specifically uh for their probity and uh in not disclosing what they learn right and and for keeping things in chambers uh and yet this was a massive national security risk and of all the fulminating responses to all this the one that was most mind-blowing to me and if if you don't mind i'd like to play it because i don't think i can i can recreate the tone of it uh just reading the text was from lawrence o'donnell if you have a minute i just want to play this for you this is from uh last word and i believe it was thursday night on the fbi's response to the judge's ruling uh and and he is just so overjoyed uh that the fbi has uh, has filed a motion that puts the judge in her place. And, and here, here's what he says. But the Justice Department is saying there is absolutely no reason for a special master to ever look at any of the classified records that were seized by uh, that search warrant. The Justice Department is also saying that the judge's order to the FBI to stop its criminal investigation concerning those records is improper and a danger to the United States of America. The Justice Department conducted a kindergarten class on national security in its motions today for the judge, explaining to the judge, quote, the intelligence community's classification review and national security risk assessment are inextricably linked with the criminal investigation. The filing points out that the FBI is part of the intelligence community which is clearly something that Judge Cannon did not know until today. The Justice Department t- 
taught the judge, quote, the connection between the national security and criminal investigative aspects of this matter are grounded in the dual mission of the FBI. That is, the FBI itself is part of the United States intelligence community. And since the 9-11 attacks, the FBI has integrated its intelligence and law enforcement functions when it exercises its national security mission. The FBI is the only intelligence community element with a full suite of authorities and tools to investigate and recover any improperly retained and stored classified information in the United States. If it is forced to disclose classified materials outside the executive branch in circumstances where there would be no valid purpose served by such disclosure. They mean there the disclosure of classified records to the so-called special master who the judge wants in the case and who has absolutely no authority over classified records. <laughs> so, so, so Matt, Matt, that's the first time I've heard it. Can I give you my he sounds like he's talking about a Martian invasion in a B movie. He sounds he sounds like one of those uh, TVs they leave on in and then do a close up on in a horror movie saying the blob is loose. Uh, you must understand the threat the blob poses. I mean, it's so over the top that he's stumbling, you know, he's stumbling over words and and his own urgency. Um, it's you, you. Is there a machine gun off stage pointed at his head <laughs> if he doesn't spit this out, you know, in, in less than a minute? Also, he's attempting to make a sort of complicated argument, which if you've heard you're only hearing it for the first time is impossible to follow, uh, given the fact that there is an apocalyptic urgency to it. And, and then third. What in the hell he's he's talking about the intelligence community like it's his own, you know, family or something. Why? Why? Why the good guy, bad guy talk? Why can't he just say the words and and sort of um, you know, suggest that they are something less or something other than the saviors of humanity trying to save humanity. Yeah, well, where, where's your journalistic distance from the subject, right? I mean, is, since when is 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 a, an MSNBC anchor a spokesperson for for the FBI? And and look, there there was a lot of disturbing stuff in 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 what he's what he's saying and what the FBI is saying. So. You know, when he's when the FBI says there can be no valid purpose for the disclosure of this material. Well, the purpose in this case is a criminal defense, right? Like, in other words, what the what the judge is what's being argued here is whether or not someone accused of a crime essentially has a right to argue over what's admissible in, in, in their case. And what could be more valid than that? I know it's Donald Trump, but but, but the, the clock is the clock is ticking, Matt. You know, the fate of Manhattan Island against nuclear attack is is at stake. You know, we, we have no time for this so-called legal process. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, um, do you not understand who needs that? Right. Do you not understand that the FBI is trying to defuse a time bomb with seven seconds left on its, <laughs> you know, on the alarm clock? I mean, that's the, that's what they bring to it. And the other thing is they do some something unprecedented. They go into a former president's home for documents, which we are still confused about the nature of 
on the basis of um, concerns which we are still confused about the nature of, which have ranged from everything that National Archivist is upset to, you know, my Lord, he has the nuclear codes. You know, they've they've muddied the waters with leaks and so on. And somebody suggests, let's take a breath. I suggest uh, Lawrence O'Donnell take a breath, but he is uh, unable to, as is the system, and as they hope the audience will be unable to, because it's like they were running a movie and they were just getting up to the point where, you know, Donald Trump is arrested in the garden of Mar-a-Lago and the projector broke, you know, or the that, that's what the special master uh, intervention is, you know, or, or the film came off the reel. And, and damn it, we've got to get this movie rolling again. <laughs> that's right. We, we can't have any interruptions. This is the studio head saying this scene takes too long. We got to cut it. Right. Uh, right. Because we, or, or getting or getting upset that the that the crew has allowed rain to stop them from filming. Well, go all night if you have to, <laughs> you know, right. uh, uh. <laughs> we're not we're not going over budget just for your goddamn Fifth Amendment. Right. I mean, but, uh, but the worst thing is the worst thing is, on the one hand, we're being told that, you know, the rhetoric in America has gotten overheated. We're being told by the administration, the anti-democratic forces are on the march. We're being given this complete good cop, bad cop uh, message about unity versus stamping out subversives. And this speech, this peroration from O'Donnell, which we believe is symbolic of the widespread mainstream media, liberal media response, is a argument for accelerating, um, uh, intensifying, and moving forward without pause. We're not allowed to pause anymore. And, and, and the reason we compare, I compare it to a movie is that there is some emotional response that they obviously want to this thing. They don't seem interested in a case that will ultimately stand up because, because you know, uh, is not the special master in some sense protecting them? As a sort of trusted broker, are they not sifting the evidence to make sure that it is of a quality that would ultimately hold up? In other words, do we want to find out that attorney-client privilege was violated or uh, executive privilege was violated later on and have the whole thing apart? Well, I fall apart. I would think then, I would think that the, the, the FBI wouldn't want that, you know? No, I, I mean, I, I could see a prosecutor thinking that this, you know, worrying that some particularly salacious piece of evidence is going to get thrown out through this process. But more than that, I think they would worry about the impacts on the public relations side of the case, because now there might be documents we never hear about or never or never, never get to read or, ne or never get or that to never get to the Washington Post in time. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. You so know, there seems to be a worry about the timeline. What I hear is a worry about the pace of operations um, that exceeds even a worry about certain, you know, uh, red meat evidence not making it into the public mind. Yeah. And, and 
not to get too into the weeds about some of the legalese that they were that they're mentioning there, but this has come up. There's an issue that's come up a couple of times in the stories that I've reported on. Uh, you know, O'Donnell there was talking about the the dual mission of the FBI and their unique status as both an intelligence agency and a criminal agency. And mm-hmm. this this has created problems in the post 9-11 world with a thing that's called parallel construction, right? Mm-hmm. Where the FBI uses its basically unlimited investigative authority uh, on the counterintelligence side to dig up evidence and then builds a case like retrofits a case for criminal prosecution, um, finding a way to introduce evidence it can legally introduce in, in a criminal court. So in other words, well, I, I, I understand because as a civil libertarian, what I hear you saying is that you have official and it wears two badges mm. and the one badge is that of a domestic law enforcement agency, which has to answer to the law, you know, the Constitution and so on. But they can switch badges at any time to a sort of man in black, all access at all times, um, uh, national security uh, status, which can take anything and sort of at the direction of the president as commander in chief, ultimately, you know, they can basically answer to no one um, and and answer to the, 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 the needs of the national security state. And then, depending on which badge they wear, they can grab what they need. Stuff they couldn't grab as a domestic law enforcement agency, they can grab as a national security state, you know, intelligence organization. And then they can take both piles and put them together and launch a prosecution on the base at that basis. Right. And and it, that, that's exactly right. And it's totally prejudicial against the defendant because they don't get access to discovery on on the one badge right like if if you're you're building a counterintelligence case and against somebody who is going to eventually be charged with money laundering or drug dealing or something like that they don't get to see the FISA warrants and all this other exotic stuff that they get to use they get to see what what legally is introduced as part of the criminal investigation so it's it's really not fair. I mean, I, and I've seen this come up in a couple of cases over, over time. There was a period where this is the lefties and the ACLU were up in arms over stuff. And Human Rights Watch. This was a this was a big concern of people. I've written I've written all those people off. I, I'm sorry. They 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 didn't step up to the plate so you know so um, uh, consistently. When these questions now and and these issues have arisen over the last number of years, that that I no longer consider them honest umpires of the process. To me, to me, what we're talking about is a guy shows up at my door and says, "Listen, I have a warrant to search your office down here um, for uh, for drugs." Um, and they come in and they don't find any drugs. And then they decide, now we're going upstairs. And I'm saying, I, I thought you had a warrant to search my office. Oh, we do as law, uh, as cops, but we can go anywhere the hell we want 
as, you know, um, people, you know, as intelligence agents tr uh, acting in the urgent interest national security division of the fbi yeah and then they run upstairs and maybe they find some drugs where they weren't supposed to search and then they run downstairs and say okay you're under arrest under what uh national security you know am i being detained as a threat to security or being detained as a guy who had some bag of marijuana you know we'll decide later maybe um right yeah no ex exactly and 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 they've they've created this kind of dualistic legal system and it, this appears all over the place right it's come up in droning cases where you know somebody tries to sue the united states government for you know for having killed some family member in error right and then it, it the, the court case happens and the judge is sympathetic but rules well this belongs to foreign policy it's a political question so we can't get into it so sorry there's no case and and you know using that logic you can you can just continually expand the range of things that that people are not allowed to to discuss and that that's kind of what they're talking about here with this trump case and again it, it's trump so he, he's not sympathetic but what the fbi is saying is we're the only people who have the the expertise and the the mandate to authoritatively review this material. You know, I, it comes down to: Are you willing to dismantle, throw away, and you know, sort of uh, put firmly in the past the Bill of Rights because of the uniquely odious character of Donald Trump, or are you not? Uh, I, I I don't know that. You know, out of all the out of all the uh, challenges we've faced, you know, civil war, world war. Um, if you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America this week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.